Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is Previously Live. Hey, uh, how are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I am I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Can you turn on your uh your little camera? Yeah, I can as a matter of fact. Uh, it might be a bit glitchy. Discord has never been reliable for me. Fair enough, fair enough. Howdy. If you want to go ahead. There you are. Perfect. Hey, how are you? Doing great. Okay, wait, let me make sure this is on my end. I know I asked you that like three times. Oh, oh, and I kept saying howdy, so it's fair. There we go. We made it happen. How are you doing? There. Introduce yourself to the fine people of my community, please. Now, do you want me to do like my whole Khaleesi title or just like my hi, how are you title? Uh, whatever, whatever, <laughs> you, whatever you think is best. Okay, fine. Uh, I, will, I, will, I will go ahead and do it. Um, so, hello, everybody. I am Josie Rose C here on Twitch for fun and entertainment um, and talking like variety, politics, and stuff like that. But what I do in my day job is I am the director of the U.S. Trans Survey and special projects for the National Center for Transgender Equality. I also serve on several boards, such as uh, the Trans um, uh, Transgender American Veterans Association. Association, as well as the Suicide Prevention Resource Center and the Democratic National Committee's Trans Advisory Committee. Um, so I, I, I wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats, but I will say I'm currently technically on medical leave. So not, it doesn't have to be business. It could be whatever you want to chat about. But I am, this is my sixth week out from bottom surgery post op. So yeah, congratulations. The first on time that. I've streamed. Yeah, since since then. So yeah, thank you. Well, if in case uh, something happens and you, I don't know, during the course of this conversation, die or explode, just let me know and, and, and we can, <laughs> you know, uh, kindly curtail it. Congratulations on the uh, surgery. Yeah, uh, thank you. I'm sitting on enough pillows, so I should be good. Okay, so <laughs> we start from the very beginning, okay? What is a transgender? Can you help me out with that one? Because a lot of people are asking this. A lot of people are asking this. Um, well, apparently, you know, uh, you know, Elon Musk apparently comes out as trans. It's basically not mm -hmm. cis. Uh, you know, uh, if you are not cis, um, and that meaning that you are don't identify as the gender that you were, I guess, the sex that you were assigned at birth, if your gender doesn't uh, align with that, then you are trans, right? And I, I try to be as simple as that, right? So if you don't identify with the, with the cisgender identity, then you're trans. Right. Um, and so so that could mean a lot of different things, non-binary, you know, you know, trans woman, trans man, you know, all over the spectrum of how you feel and what you feel in that gender fluidity is trans. So it's pretty easy, I think, to think about it. If you are a cis man or a cis woman and you're not trans, then there you go. <laughs> so it's, it's <laughs> but if you kind feel of like, that, then you're trans. It's a little bit like being gay, but maybe maybe a bit more. Yeah. I mean, like, if you think about it, okay, so when you think about it, like, in, in, like, this is one of the complications of bottom surgery. Just, just give her a minute. Oh, wait, that's my internet. Uh, like, for me, like, it's easier to just start there. 
Hello, can you hear me? Damn, you know, at first I thought it was you who disconnected, and I had so many great jokes lined up, and it took me a couple seconds to ah. realize that things were frozen. Darn, I wish you, now, now, now you can make the jokes on yourself. Okay, yeah, I will. Okay, so you're frozen for a second, right? And then I'm like, don't worry, guys. Known complication of bottom surgery. She'll be right back. And then I, and then, <laughs> then I realize... Uh, <laughs> I realize my chat's frozen. No one laughed at my joke. That's how I learned. Um, yeah, okay, sorry. The... Um, Let's just say, for the sake of argument, my cats ate my modem. I had to get another one. There you go. All right. Well, here we are again. That Hello. seems typical of them. All right. When did I cut out on your side? Oh, shit. Well, I guess I made a couple of I jokes, I so I kind of blurred out my memory there. Oh, no. But, oh, yeah. I was just talking about, like, you know, just being trans is so much easier than people make it seem to be, right? Like, people want to dissect the individual identities under the trans umbrella. But for me, it doesn't matter, right? What matters is, is that people who identify as trans get equal human rights, right? Yeah. Because we can dissect the idea of, like, what it is to be something. But, like, everybody's idea, everybody's idea of another gender is kind of like looking through a porthole, right? Like, you can only, like, see so much of somebody's gender unless you are that gender, right? Like, I can even say, like, you know, I tried to live as a man for 34 years, and I still don't know what it's like to be a man, right? I, I am much more comfortable and understand being a woman so much easier and so much more fluid in my own self than it is to understand being a man. Yeah, right? well, I, I think the, the main issue as well is that um, social descriptors, you know, uh, categorization, social roles, stuff like that... Uh, Nobody really pays that much attention to them, generally speaking, right? Like all of the ephemeral meanings behind what it really means to say be an American, right? Because some, like, right. like, what does it mean to be American? Well, you have like the nationality argument and that one's pretty rote, right? Pretty cut and dry. But then it's like, okay, well, plenty of people have said you're a real American when talking about people who don't have citizenship, right? Has anyone ever sat down and really like mathematically worked out where those lines are no because it's stupid and anyone coming at that argument yeah. would know that it's a broad not necessarily rhetorical but it's you know it, it's kind of like a collection of associated meanings and and to be hyper specific I, I mean even if something good could come out of that it would take a lot of time and it would be a huge headache so i don't think anyone is really equipped to come at questions like that with you know a, a ruler and a protractor but now everybody is like a um a deputy sociologist with their own definitions of gender, especially conservatives running in trying to solve all these like epistemic questions or philosophical arguments with like, um, well, uh, it's as simple as that, you know, like, can you imagine? Yeah. If, can you imagine if somebody was like, you know, I don't know, the American spirit feels to me like if you're independent and if you care about America and someone runs in and they're like, uh, do you have citizenship? Nope. OK. And then they just run out. <laughs> I think most yeah. people would go like, oh, that guy's kind of being a little bit stupid on purpose. But yeah. we do that with gender nonstop. Yeah, it's like the no true Scotsman's fallacy, right? Where it's just like, it's like, oh, no, that person's not trans. Oh, that person's not this. Oh, no. And it's just like this this game of like invalidating people's existence. It's like, I think it's like, you know, and I, I, I have a lot of opinions about Republicans and conservatives. I used to be one back in the day. I was born and raised in Texas. Oh, like, you know, yeah, yeah, all of it, right? I was in the Navy for like six years as a reactor operator. Like, I did all that stuff. And like, like it really repressed me and gave me a lot. But like I, I think about like um like Couldn't how have repressed you that badly if you were in the Navy. Oh yeah, right. Like, <laughs> well, no, no, it definitely it definitely did. Like definitely <laughs> did. Believe me. I knew a bunch of gay people, but I did not know any trans people. I did know some that came out afterward though, that 
reached out to me um like hey i'm trans i'm like oh so am i um but but anyways um i think about like the conservative nature of like I'm going to nitpick at somebody and make fun of them and hope that they don't actually look at me. Right. And I, I, I don't know what happened to conservative ideology because I remember when I was a kid and I grew up around a lot of conservatives, I was told don't stare right by my parents. Don't stare. Don't make fun of people like all of that type of stuff. And you're like supposed to like let things be right. But now it's like, it's the opposite. It's like, no stare and point and laugh. Right. And it's just like, what the hell is going on? And like, it's like becoming a mind virus. Like I have seen like older um, family members that like were very um, open and okay with me being trans. But over the last three years, they're now becoming like not okay with it. I'm like, what the hell is going on? It's like that conservative mind virus of like, oh, maybe this isn't okay. That's the shift. And it's like really frustrating. That's the shift towards genocidal rhetoric, right? Like a disapproval yeah. of gay and trans people has been present in pretty much all of society forever. But there's a difference between like this passive, oh, you know, whatever, I don't approve kind of attitude, which is, I mean, that's not good, you know, but there is an innate passivity to that message being the primary one. I don't approve. Well, I don't approve isn't the same as I'm going to use every bit of political power I possess to actively destroy you. Which is, and nowadays, that's more in line with what we see, where it's gone from, I mean, remember, only like um, five years ago with trans people, the conservative message with, with, with being transphobic was like, these people are delusional, they need help, but you know, like, we feel for them, like, they're clearly confused, but obviously it was like a fake and paternalistic kind of sympathy, but it was still pretend yeah. sympathy, whereas now it's full on like, no, these people are literally destroying our society, anything you can do to harass them is valid. Everything, yeah, all of it, and you know, I, I, I can't remember which creator this was, I feel bad uh, not crediting them, um, but they just came out with a video recently, um, but they said like, the, oh, I remember, you know, in the 90s, like, um, you know, people would say, oh, trans people are a trap. They're going to fool you. They're going to have sex with you. They're going to like assault you and all that type of stuff. Right. But nobody really says that anymore because then they are conceding the fact that trans people can be seen as cis and can fool you yeah, right yeah no, the, the whole... narrative of like the the yeah. trickster trans woman it, it doesn't work well with the idea that like we can always tell we can always see you so it's gone now exactly that, that's it I, is yeah that's actually pretty wild um not in a good way yeah. it's not, not a good kind of wild. not in a good way but it was, no. it's sort of interesting how there are like different kinds of transphobia that age in and out based on their usefulness to like the the narrative of persecution and some of them are so outdated that they actively contradict the current narrative um which is which is probably a lot worse than the ones we've seen before i i, I can't remember it yeah time, it, it is it is pretty bad like yeah. like i remember before like okay so there is there's like it's like um it goes in really heavy mean cycles, right? So if you go back into the 60s and 50s, you're here, you'd get your head cracked open for not wearing like, like clothing that fit your, you know, gender or sex, right? You're supposed to wear like boxers and not bras and things like that. If you're, you know, and people, you'd get your head cracked open by the police, you'd be harassed, you know, all of that type of stuff. So there was like an entire like, 
like it was just fascistic authoritarian like you can't even go out the door with something that makes you look trans or genderqueer in any way and then it kind of like let up a little bit and then you had like the whole like 80s and the 90s you had this like boom of like you know trans people but like passing culture was very important because the game was if i can pass in society then i'm safe Right. So that's how kind of like trans woman culture was a lot about passing back in the day. And like, no, you got to fix your hair this way or you're going to get caught or you need to wear this or you need to wear this piece of jewelry. And it was like it was about safety. It wasn't about you have to be this to be trans. It was like you have to wear this like this or you're going to get caught. Right. And that, and like there's like an entire culture around passing and what it meant to pass back then. But as time has progressed, you have a lot of people who came out and were able to live their lives in the early aughts. You have like Caitlyn Jenner coming out, Chaz Bono. And then you start having this like, you know, few people coming out, but it was still like celebrity driven. And it was like, oh, this is still kind of like entertainment, unaccessible type of stuff, even though there were people transitioning the whole time. Now we've gotten to a point where it's like we need to try to push the genie back in the bottle because like that's where they're at. They're panicking. Right. And they're panicking because like just like in the gay panic. Right. Like, oh, my God, my kids are going to be gay because they know gay people. I still it's have the that same thing. I know. <laughs> I'm still doing that. I still worry. Yeah. I might yeah, meet a gay you know, person and- one day. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, But, you know, that's what I, but I'm just saying it's like trans people have become this like boogeyman that are going to turn your children into degenerates because they need to have, you got to save the children rhetoric, right? And it's really easy because for some reason, well, not some reason, I think we all know stochastic terrorists and how they all work in one unifying voice is making this drumbeat. And, you know, there's like less people are putting she, her pronouns into their, or he, you you know, he, him pronouns on Zoom windows and chats like that all went away. It's like because I feel like people are just afraid to talk about trans people because it becomes political. And once something becomes political, you're not supposed to talk about it anymore. And at least that's the way it was in my family. Right. My family is like, you don't talk about religion or politics. Right. And they're really looking at me when they say that always. Um, but like, that's how it works. But that's how they think. Right. Like religion and politics are like equal. Like they're both as sacred, they're both unmutable, they're both unchangeable. And if you go against it, it's blasphemy. And now we have the permission to go against you, even in a family setting. Right. And, of course, and, it's, and it's that's always how a lot been, of conservatives it's always, think. It's always been bullshit as well, because they'll say, don't talk politics, but then they will talk politics just through the framework of like um, normativity. We, we're, we're stuff yeah. that is political. You know, like you can talk about white people, but not black people. You can talk about guys, but not women. It's, it's like the gamer meme, right? Like, Oh, why yeah. they make this game yeah. political when a black character came in? All subjects yeah. that are as political as any other, but you know, sort of accepted hegemonically are, or like anything like gas prices, the economy. You know, how do you have a conversation that doesn't get political? Yeah, um, invariably, I don't understand it either. It'll it'll trend towards that in, in, in some way or another. Yeah, and you know, and I think I, you know, I, I, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit on the spectrum, so it's really hard for me to not talk about politics at some point when something political comes up and I know about, right? Where you I'm just are like, a gay. oh yeah, I need to talk about this, huh? You are a gay. Well, it's, My yeah, panic has gay. come true. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, that's, kept a good the flags for a while. If the flags couldn't figure it, if you couldn't figure out with the flags, I don't know what to tell you. I just assumed. I mean, you I were even at... built a gay cloud. Yeah, cotton of, candy. You know, now cotton candy yeah. is political. I see. We can no, truly nothing yeah. is sacred. No, I, nothing, I, I nothing is sacred. I get you. I've never shut up when talking to my family either. Um, yeah, I mean, I I grew up with a progressive family, so I, I didn't have any issues. Um, 
with these subjects, you know, with them. Um, I do know, however, that when I was in high school, and I think this is probably the case for most people, like, uh, shitty transphobic jokes were not only, like, common, they were, like, not even thought of, you know? Uh, right. And, and they were in all the classic movies, like Ace were, Ventura. Yeah, yeah. And they were all over the place, like in, in broader culture. But I think like, and this is where that narrative shifts, right? It's because there's a difference between like disapproval and disregard and like active fear-mongering. Um, for instance, crime, like criminals. Socially speaking, there's always been a disregard for criminality. Obviously, that's that's borderline like the definition, you know? But there's a difference between like a haughty even like a tough on crime liberal democrat version like 1990s bill clinton attitude towards crime super predators or whatever there's a difference between that which is bad um and this like our cities are crumbling they are dying and it's because of yeah. crime. like like the president of the philippines who was talking about how um he wants to execute drug dealers and donald trump said that recently in a speech as well that's not just like a disapproval of crime or like a social stigmatization. That is this entire other, like we will orient our politics around yeah. the fear of this group. And um, they're doing that for pretty much everyone now, right? I mean, short, short, like openly black people and Jews, um, feminism, uh, immigration, uh, trans people uh, and criminality are all being cited as like, yeah, no, these are actually destroying the West. Like right now, like we're crumbling and anything done against these groups is self-defense, definitionally. Kind of yeah. the line now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it really, it really is. Um, you know, and oh, and it drives me absolutely bonkers, right? Because they'll talk about crime, but they're the ones starting to commit like the massive wholesale terroristic crimes, like mass shootings. You have, you know, all of like you have the now they're attacking electrical grids, like you know they're firebombing drag shows, and like I, you know, one of the things that I always get annoyed about is like why aren't the liberals going? We need to be tough on crime on these freaking liberal, like these these terrorists, these domestic terrorists that self self imposed. Like, look at the CPAC heading, right? Like, it's, it's proud domestic terrorist, and you know, that's the thing. It's like, why do we not? adopt their language and i think i think a lot of it is that the right doesn't like being uh, does, doesn't care about being hypocritical because i think it's a pet play of power for them it's like mm -hmm. oh yeah i am hypocritical because i'm an authoritarian now shut up and listen to me yeah like, and do I as i say don't it, do as i do yeah i agree if you if you run far enough down the logic too you know you you see the attitude from the left which is like you know, uh, uh, violence against fascists is self-defense, which is a whole, they got a wholly reasonable logic. Um, <laughs> yeah. The problem is, is like, if you twist the, um, the descriptives enough, you, you eventually arrive at prescriptives that feel like they're totally incoherent. But there are probably a lot of people in the far right who legitimately believe that society is crumbling due to X and Y. And like any, you know, all these actions taken are legitimately necessary as part of, um, and, and I, I think that's like kind of in large part a, a product of the fact that, you know, it's, it's almost a little bit scarier than they don't care about hypocrisy. It's like they don't care about empiricism. Like there's not yeah. actually any respect for the idea that there might be like, they might be like empirically wrong. Like there might be physical evidence in the real world that just completely invalidates what they're saying. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think that a. a I don't I don't know if they don't think about it or if they don't care. I don't really know, but it's 
I don't, you know, you know how a lot of conservatives love to just like, and you know, you, you've done the debate circuit. I've done debates, like all that type of stuff, you know, on this stuff. But like, one of my favorite things to do is, you know, they like to talk and they like to express their point altogether, right? They're like, let me finish my point. Let me finish my argument. My favorite thing to do with those type of people is like, let's say they have the the take of if we allow trans people to exist, it's going to destroy society. And I'm going to be like, okay, let's grant you the position that that society is destroyed. Can you now work backwards? So like, okay, society is destroyed. How did it happen? Right. Like, like make uh, them uh, like come uh, up with a scenario. Exactly. Well, and we then they lost can't say an effing word. faith in the, in the, in the father. And like, it's, it's always some, <laughs> no, yeah. it's, it's always like some abstract, a concept I think is important became less important. And therefore every system just instantly fell apart. Um, I know. Right. You, you can't even, you can't even get them to explain like one of the things that, you know, because I ran for Congress in uh, 2020, um, way back, right before transition actually, but, um, or pre-transition. Um, and one of the things I would do when somebody would at the door, like, you know, I knocked a lot of doors when somebody would be like, how are you going to pay for it? Like when I say like, you know, Medicare for all, or, you know, healthcare for all, um, I would say, okay, I will explain how I'm going to pay for it if you can explain to me how we pay for the local fire station. Because at that point, it's like, if you can explain to me the theory of how to freaking tax the actual, you know, city to get a fire station, then you understand the complexity of very heavy tax law and legislation building for you to know how to pay for Medicare. Well, they, for they, all, right? even if you gave them the completely correct, even if you gave them like the exactly. itemized list, it's not like they would understand because most people don't exactly. understand that. It'd be like you say, yeah, hey, let's raise yeah. some, some money to fund our local fire department. They're like, okay, how does the water get to the fire truck? And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's it's actually kind of complicated. Do we have to? Like, okay, so there's a substation here that, and and, and meanwhile yeah. they're just like smiling at you because they don't know and they don't care, right? They're just they don't care wasting and, your time. And so that's that's what I did, right? I'd be like, they're like, well, I don't I don't know that, and I'm like, then you're not gonna know the answer if I gave it to you correctly, right? So it's kind of like you know playing their own game against them of like, oh, so you're this mega brain this giga brain person where you can just sit there and like know how all of the outcomes of the world are going to happen from the most minute things then explain to me how those things happen like get to the catastrophic scenario for me right because it's so bonkers because they don't it's the same thing i do with uh you know forced birthers right i'm like okay great abortion is now murder through the legal definition of murder like how many years do mothers get for having abortions? And they're like, uh, uh, uh. I was like, no, you want to imprison mothers? How many years? Tell me now. You got the magic wand. It's murder. Now how many years? And their their brains explode because they're like, oh wait, we're supposed to legislate after we get the policy. Well, like they, it's, I mean, it's so they don't, frustrating. They're they're kind of like conditioned to not understand politics as a cause and effect game. They're supposed to take like yeah. very. Um, like very strong, very unthoughtful, vi like rigid stances on a couple of key political issues with no understanding of what effects any of those would have. The funniest right. thing is that the actual like greatest existential threat to the West, which is climate change, is mo is like literally being like heralded in by the right. They're death cultists who are bringing in. Yeah, like, they are. Like for no reason other than because they're in bed with the oil companies, you know.
Uh, yeah. The, the, the climate apocalypse. Um, and then it they're really, screeching it really about, is. I don't know, women peeing in toilets or something. I don't people, know. Peeing people like me, up. right? Like, you know, oh my gosh. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk about other things stupid. Like, um, you know, I'll go on Twitter, right? And you'll have somebody like fucking dumbass Deborah So. Oh my God, the, one of the worst humans. And, and yeah, so she'll say dumb. like, yeah, and she'll put the like, you know, those stupid tweets like you like a vagina cannot be created, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, my vagina disagrees. I had like 120 posts from transphobes saying, that's not a vagina. You can't have a vagina. That's not what it is. You're disrespecting vaginas and all this stuff. And I'm like, but if you were probably on another post saying Men, women can't have penises and then when you don't have a penis, it's like it's like it's it's so fucking frustrating like they don't, it's they don't like they're just it. they can't think they don't about think it. about it, it. It's, it they it, don't think about it it's kind of like like thinking is a is a choice right like you can yeah you, you can live your life well with very little thought given to some things um especially if you're kind of like conditioned to act that way and for them like these are just things they don't think about it's one of the reasons deborah so tweets or really there are so many conservatives who tweet oh like yeah this. they tweet the, like stupid maybe things like that about a dozen different things rephrased however many times is necessary all of them could be defeated with like two questions. Like if you had them on call, yeah. and this is why when I was talking to Deborah So, she was like a coward, I remember. like wimp, like who who yeah. would make very weak statements and would like walk off anything I questioned her on. It's because it's like NPC behavior, basically. Like it really is. Their 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 dialogue trees are fine in in absence of being challenged, but the moment anybody steps to that, you know, they have to walk away. This is one of the reasons why, as the right has gotten more openly hateful in the past couple of years, the debates have really dried up. Uh, JP yeah. doesn't do them anymore. Ben Shapiro doesn't. He used to bring more competition onto his show. Uh, Tucker Carlson doesn't bring those folks on anymore. Sargon of Akkad no. stopped doing debates. All these, like, the the right was who, big, big chest people on debating back in 2014 through 18, and they've just dried up now. And I think that's because yeah. they, they understand now that they've embraced anti-empiricism. They really, like, shouldn't be talking to people who disagree. I, I know. It's wild. It's like, it, I, I, it's, so, it's so bizarre to just see how just, like, intelligence is no longer respected. It's like anti, like, anything you say, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, one of the things, that's, we'll talk about the survey, right? So the U.S. Trans Survey, you know, which was done in 2015, um, which what it came from the National Trans Discrimination Survey that was done in 2008. Now, um, it was 2008, we had about 8,000 people. 2015, we had about 28,000 people. And I'll say that with the 2022 survey that just closed, we had over 100,000 people. Um, take the survey, which is bonkers huge, right? It's huge, huge. Like we 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 shattered the record by almost three times, right? So we still clean in data. That's not the final numbers yet, but it's looking really, really good. But one of the things that you know, when when I'm doing this science, right? Because the U.S. Trans Survey is really one of the most respected surveys in you know the United States when it comes to like you know getting you know quantitative data on trans people in the United States. And like, it's the largest survey in 2015 was like 28,000 people, but people will say, oh, but it was an online survey. So we can't take that for, 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 for what it says. Or when we get all of these other data points, they're just going to immediately just say, oh, this survey was, you know, it was done by trans people for trans people. So therefore all that information is biased. And it's so frustrating sure. because, you know, I work in the scientific field. 
right? And the, the science of getting 100,000 people randomized across the country where I can literally do a breakout report for every single state in the United States based on the data that we're collecting, including race demographics, age demographics, and all of this stuff with over 100,000 people across the United States. We are literally going to have basically the data Bible of what it looks like to be trans in the United States. And I guarantee you that these transphobes are just going to be like, oh, this, this, this data is bonk, even though we went through an institutional review board, even though we went through a major university, even though we securely secure the data and have uh, certificates from the NIH that allows uh, the survey to be 100% anonymous and unsubpoenable, right? Like all of those things exist in this scientific survey. And it's really frustrating because this is going to be the data that basically disproves everything. Right. Everything they're saying from health outcomes after surgery to resilience measurements, like knowing how people have it after they get, you know, gender affirming care, um, you know, quality of life measurements. We're going to have all of the gender, you know, you know, conversion therapy, sports bills, um, you know, abortion access. We're even asking we asked on the survey and and, you know, the level of detail and granularity we're getting on the survey, which is essentially the U.S. trans census, we're going to be able to debunk almost every single argument, which is already being debunked, which every argument is already debunkable. But we're going to have this data source that is going to debunk everything. And I'm just curious, right? I'm curious to see what the news media is going to do about it like are these conservatives going to try to attack it are they just going to ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist it's really interesting because like the data comes out at the end of this coming year and i want to like go on joe rogan and all of these national you know platforms and say hey these are the numbers right? This is what it looks like to be trans in Florida. This is what the discrimination levels look like. This is what's happening in these areas. This is how many young people are actually their gender identities, right? It's not more trans men than it is trans women. It's about the same, right? Like the whole thing, all of it, everything. And I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's really frustrating to well, see the anti-intellectualism. Yeah, well, also the real frustration would be if you actually managed to do any of those things, because you know they wouldn't care, right? They, they would mm -hmm. have to find another way around. It is useful to have the data, you know, um, but it, it's less useful with time, I think, at least in the current environment that we're in and with the kinds of people you have to deal with when you're arguing with conservatives. Because, oh God, you probably saw this. Do you remember when Matt Walsh went on Joe Rogan a couple months ago? Yeah. And he was talking yeah. about, I don't know, millions and millions of youth are getting on hormone blockers and... Um, Jamie pulled up like uh, it says right here like I don't know five yeah. are getting on a year or something <laughs> and Matt Walsh's immediate response and this was more telling than his mistake because I've made mistakes I've exaggerated numbers yeah. plenty you know only human that's fine yeah. the immediate response from him was not oh whoops or you know oh my bad that I've been fear mongering about this for years and I was off by like two orders of magnitude on, on the number yeah. you know his response was oh that'll be a great clip for the media because he, yeah. the, the truth is, he didn't know whether he was right or wrong. He didn't care whether his number was correct or incorrect. Yeah. He just thought he wouldn't be called on it because he knows that Joe Rogan's a transphobe and that their audience would be totally receptive to any bullshit that he said. For him, it was purely yeah. an optical thing. He will go right back and has gone back to the exact same wrong number that he got called on um, be, because it doesn't make a difference, really. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. It's it's really difficult to overcome that um that that empirical wall, but directly challenging people is a big part of it. I mean, that's why Matt Walsh acted that way, right? He expected yeah. that he could just spew bullshit to Joe Rogan, which people do all the time. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. And, with no challenge. Um but he got called on something really easy and obvious, and he was clearly flustered by it. And I think that's evidence of the fact yeah. that, yeah, there is value in calling them on things they're empirically wrong on. Um, they might be slippery and they might be anti-empiricist, but they can't admit to being anti-empiricist because that's an optical no-go zone, right? Like, you, you can be anti-empiricist, but they have to convince the people who follow them that they're still facts and logic guys. If they don't do that, I mean, I don't know how many people in this country would openly support somebody admitting that they're wrong. That, that, that's, a, that's a couple steps beyond, you know? That's, uh, that's, yeah. that's some truly wacky behavior that even they have not yet fully sunk to. I, I, just like the, the, the Republican, the Republican, uh, Republican. I'm sorry, the Republican congressman in Georgia that lied on his resume. Oh, like, oh, they don't uh, even. They don't Santos, even admit the Jewish yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Jewish guy. God, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, like, and then, oh my gosh. And Marjorie so Taylor because, Greene like, was if, defending him. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's wild to me. It's like if you were like to apply for a job, and you just like straight up lied that you got a degree and you're like employment history recently was just all effed up and jacked it's like you get fired you would absolutely get fired it's like yeah you're an absolute liar get out of here but in the house of representatives that that goes it's just like oh it's so gross well hey it goes right along to my advice to all my audience which is lie on your resumes if it can get you up to congress then no no reason not to (sighs) fuck it lie about your name say you're black when you look like me go for it who cares what are they going to do? Call you on it? What are they going to do? Debate you on that? Uh, you're not black. Yeah, prove it. What? Why not? Do I not yeah. look black? You say looking like me. Yeah. yeah, do it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. But um, yeah, we're like going back to the U.S. Trend Survey, and you know, it's it's exciting to to see this number stuff come out because like we have never seen this before. Like we 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 do not have a sample size of trans people who basically said, you know what. I'm here and I'm going to talk about my experience here in this area of the country that I live. And like, it's, it's going to be groundbreaking in a lot of ways, right? Like, like we're going to know what the mental effects of those transport spills are going to be directly on the states that have been doing it. We are going to know the direct impact on the youth on those um, medical bans that are being passed in states, right? Like those are the stories and information that we're going to be able to utilize to say, oh, by the way, this is how the percentage of trans people that are like fleeing your state. Right. Or planning to flee your state. Maybe that's not a good thing to share, but like that's an economic hit. Right. Like you have, you know, and right now currently in the state of Florida, you have school teachers leaving the state because it don't stay gay bill. You have social workers leaving the state of Texas because they don't want to they don't want to prosecute um, trans families. Um, You have medical professionals and surgeons and gender clinicians leaving uh, states where there's banning of affirming care because they it's their livelihood it's what they do and like it's really frustrating because when you talk about protecting children removing social workers get rid of, get rid of get getting rid of teachers and doctors that treat children is definitely not a way to protect children and increase children's quality of life 
And that's essentially what the Republicans are doing. They're making their states even more devoid of access to support networks for their own children that live in their states. Like, it's diabolical. It's no, absolutely it, it, diabolical. It, it fully is. If ever there was any good news, and what you've said now, you know, with like teachers leaving the state, for example, um, is that one, one benefit, I think, to the sort of demographic shift that we have between liberals and conservatives is that. I mean, no state in America can function without either group if you were to, like, you know, finger snap half of them out of existence. But, you know, speaking frankly, liberals occupy uh, most of the positions of managerial power in, like, pretty much every major city of the country. Education and proximity to minorities tends to correspond to liberal values. Uh, if a state is made intolerable to even mildly left-leaning people, the downstream effects of that would make everybody's life a lot worse, you know? It's a lot, it's way, way, way more difficult now to do this, like, autocratic, authoritarian, fascism, persecution of minorities thing than it was, say, in the Weimar Republic. Um, because the, um, in terms of, like, the stratification of people by their political affiliation or their ethnicity, you know, that didn't have anything on what we're doing today. Everything is so interconnected. Um, that you even slight shifts towards the right cause these like knockdown effects that fuck over an entire like everyone you know like Texas may, Texas might be red Houston isn't Austin isn't um, the 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 farthest example of this is California California has more conservative voters than any other state in the union it's just it yeah. has so many massive cities that the liberal voters outnumber them you know, overwhelm the them. But there yeah. are literally like 32 million conservatives or so, like a huge number in California, like a yeah. massive number, but blue cities. And it's always blue the cities, cities right? It, it really is in the coastal areas. And, you know, and one of the things that it, that's what makes me laugh, it's like when you talk about like electoral colleges, like conservatives should be the ones screaming to get rid of the electoral college because that means that a California Republican's vote actually counts. Right. And like, it, like there's a lot of votes there and, you know, there, they could actually make, you know, an election more aggressive. Um, but they want to keep gaming the system in, in very slight little ways. Right. Because they know they can't win a popular vote. In reality, they really can't. Well, yeah, um, my hope is but, that things are skewing further with time. The independents in this country have always right. been more the, the big kicker. I mean, the really big positive. Right is that every time, even in red states, that a referendum is held, the results are blue. Like Kansas, yeah. on the constitutional amendment for allowing the ban of abortion, somehow in the state of Kansas, about as red as you can get, 67% not in favor of the amendment. They're keeping the uh, right. The, the right to uh, have an abortion. In Florida, Ron DeSantisville pushed for the... Um, the uh, um, the the reinstatement of felons' right to vote and for a higher minimum wage, yeah. even if the Republicans fuck that over. It seems like, honestly, if you separate the politics from the parties, America is Democrat aligned. It's just Absolutely. a matter of appealing to them in the right way. And one of the things that I was predicting before the election um, was kind of seeing the dust settle from one of my little theories that I had, which is... We saw um, like in 20, you know, 2020 to like 20 or sorry, from 2020 to 2022, this last election cycle, 
we saw a massive upturning of how the United States is like run. Like you have more people working remotely than ever before. You have mass migrations of people leaving from places that had higher cost of living to lower cost of living. So a lot of places that were purple started turning bluer because people from like New York and California were moving out of the state, moving back home. You also had the fact that, um, you know, being Republican is a, you know, co-mobility for COVID, right? Like, because you're more likely to be unvaccinated as a conservative, so therefore you're more likely to die from COVID. So you have older people across the country who are predominantly Republican getting knocked over from COVID permanently, right? And then you also have the redistricting in different states and different places. So you essentially, have, and the youth turnout, right? You have another two years worth of youth voters that are really charged up to vote the Gen Z. And those factors really are, I think, my personally, the factors that prevented the the red wave, right? Because we had no consultant, no political consultant, no political pollster knows how to um, calculate for all those variables that I just said, right? Because young people are new voters and a lot of consultants don't talk to new voters. A lot of consultants don't talk to people who aren't registered to vote. A lot of voters talk to people who have moved thinking that they still live there because they the voter registration hasn't been updated. So you had this massive issue where the demographic shifts were so large, so much so that the voter databases that the campaigns were using were out of date. So they had no clue who their voters were and who and how many people were there. So that is what I believe happened. And I believe this next election is even going to go further that way because another two years of young people are going to be voting, right? So so older people are going to be dying. And I think what's happening is there is just a just a numbers versus numbers shift. And you know how you see um you know, the 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 memes of like non-voters and voters, if more non-voters became voters, then we would be way ahead. Well, I think what's happened is a lot of those non-voters have become voters and now they know how to vote. Like it's been said by Republicans recently that they can't win special elections anymore because Democrats now vote for special elections. Ten years ago, Democrats were known to never vote for special elections and Republicans used to game the system to ensure special elections. You saw what happened in California recently where Gavin Newsom raffle stomped the, the recall election, right? Like before... That's how Republicans used to win governorships of blue states. Yeah, there was some real so, concern over that mm -hmm. beforehand. I mean, the consistent mm -hmm. issue that you find with Republicans voting and Democrats not is that Republicans are, every single one of them, with no exceptions, um, old white people who live in suburbs, uh, who pay attention to uh, black teens walking around outside, local elections, and very little else. Um, you know, whereas, uh, the hip and happening Democrat crew, you know, they don't care about anything outside the, um, the presidential and even then just barely, hopefully that's shifting more and more. Um, there are so many yeah. local races that Democrats could be winning. Like probably I, I like if, if you took the proportion of voters who participated in the presidential in 2020 and applied that with local proportions to every local race held in the country, oh, there would gosh. be literally thousands of local races, governorships, uh, state Senate and Congress, mayorships, just falling like dominoes. The, um, yeah. that, uh, that, that map they keep pulling out about how the whole country is red 
uh, and, and all the rural areas and then the cities are blue, you know, that would turn around too. There are a bunch of areas right. that are even like, not even urban, like at all, like relatively rural areas would suddenly have local democratic representation. And it's just because Democrats are, are too busy smoking pot and fucking each other um, like cool people uh, yeah. to do like local election, you know, uh, involvement. Or is the Republicans are nerds who don't fuck or smoke pot, so they do care and pay attention. <laughs> they only they are they are only just getting angrier and angrier bomb shelters, just like looking at the world change before their eyes. Yeah, doom scrolling um, it, through Twitter, like keeping an update on literally everything on every group of people they hate, every minority they yeah, dislike. Everybody every group as we grow and grow. And you know, I, I, I do have hope. But I also have a lot, like, I always say I'm a cynical optimist, right? Because I know that the system is hard to change and probably can't. However, I am optimistic enough to know if we actually did what you said. Like, if we all just voted down ticket and we all knew which ones were the Democrats or which ones were the ones that were actually going to fight for, like, social justice and, like, socialistic principles, um, then we could get there, right? And it really is that simple. And, you know... You know, I've been a campaigner most of my life um, since for, for over the last, I guess, 12 years now. And one of the things that I always say is elections are simple, but not easy. Because at the end of the day, the simplicity is just getting the ballot in the ballot box, right? But the obstacle, and you know this because you were very engaged um, in the, and I try to get people onto your server, by the way. I hope oh, I got some people. You. Oh, yeah, yeah speaking absolutely. of, sorry for completely forgetting to advertise your uh, survey to my audience, by the way. I know, I know. I, I, that's, I, that's when I knew, uh, does, does Vosh really love trans people? Like, like <laughs> Oh, no, I'm extremely Just transphobic, kidding. but I Just did kidding. forget that, sincerely. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just, I even had it open my tabs a couple of times. I just kept forgetting to get back to it. Well, either way, there's always next year. Yeah, uh, no, it's not going to be next year. We do it every five to seven years. Oh, okay. It I'll takes probably a massive be alive amount of resources. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like, it, you're talking about millions of dollars in resources that have to be spent to do like a national level, like targeted survey right like it's like all the trans people like you know how many people were like legitimately worried about like are you going to share my information with the government like i don't want to even share my zip code for the unique id like like there was like oh, people who were like that and i get it i understand and so that's why we were so happy when we got over a hundred thousand people because it's like wow there was a hundred thousand people who trusted that we knew what we were doing to keep all that data super super secure so now, and also keeping everything super anonymous, according to the, you know, Institutional Review Board, to have that happen. And, you know, a lot of people were worried about security concerns. And that's completely valid. It's just like, it's yeah, completely anonymous. It's a reasonable proportion of the total number of trans people in the country, right? Too, It's like, yeah, that's got to be at least like 2% to 5%. I, I don't know the actual math. It's like, it's a good, it's a good number. It's a lot of people. It's a, it's a, it's a good number. And you know, what's really cool about it too, is that the numbers trended to be very in line with the population percentages of the states of the United States. So we want to benchmark off the U.S. census, right? So we took like, if you take all of the states 
states and the populations of the states, the U.S. trans survey, as far as trans people, it almost correlates like right across the line of like, okay, like, you know, this many people in California, California's first, right? Like, you know, Cal you know, Texas and then all the bigger population states. And then it just goes down the line pretty uniformly. So we do feel that the uniformity of like the randomness of the survey is going to yield very, very strong, reliable quantitative data that we can say, okay, this is the percentage of trans people. And then we can even go even more granular for the state or even the state or race, or like, we're also thinking about also adding, um, we're all, we are going to be adding a 17 to 18 year old breakout report as well as a, 55 to 64 and a 65 plus breakout report. Um, and we're also possibly doing a breakout report on people who served in the military, which was about 4% of the respondents as well. Um, because I'm a veteran myself. So, so that, and so we even had, we even had 30 or about 3% of the survey actually are immigrants too. Right. So we're going to be able to have a huge proportion and actually have data on what it looks like to be a trans immigrant in the United States. So, so like there is a lot of groundbreaking data that we, in 2015, I wasn't part of it last time. I wasn't even out yet, but in 2015, a lot of the researchers were like wishing they had bigger numbers so they could have better outcomes as far as like conclusions to go off of. But now we have some pretty solid conclusive data of like, okay, this is what it looks like to be black in the United States as a trans woman. And it's, it's rough, right? It's not, it's not, it's not great. Oh, I thought it was um, easy. Oh yeah, it's super easy. It's it's easy mode of life, right? <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah, probably no better a time than this to get all this information in, considering the um, the state of things. When will oh, when yeah, will yeah. all this information be published and publicly accessible? So I uh, set a goal for the end of next year. Um, hopefully, we'll get it out a little sooner. Um, I am I am working um, with the researcher to get uh, some top line data out. Um, so like, you know, let's see some of the big stuff, like how many trans people need access to abortion care, right? Because we don't know that, right? So we need to get that number out as soon as we can. We need to see what the resilience number is. Like, you know, people who get gender affirming care, what's the percentage of people say their life is significantly better since they've come out as trans, right? Like, I think those numbers are going to be coming out sooner. Um, but the data, because it's 100, over 100,000 data points, right. takes a long time from our researchers to clean up, analyze. You got you to gotta clean the data, right? You got to take out all the logical responses, any duplicates, any bots. Um, we got to take out all of those responses, right, that exist. We have to um, make sure that when we actually benchmark the survey to like the U.S. trans census or, you know, the different surveys that exist in the United States to say, okay, this is what the suicide rate for cis people versus trans people are, right? Like they, they, we, they benchmark that every month, right, in the United States with different surveys. So we're going to be able to benchmark it as well. So there's a lot of math that happens and a lot of really smart statisticians that are now going to take the data, you know, package it up, make sure it's really easy and accessible. So then we can write a report. Right. And the, the, you know, the scientists will write the report. I'm going to be, I'm going to list it as an author. So that's really exciting for me. I know it's like, oh, well. Um, so, so I get that. For, people are going to cite me as Caballero, their research papers, which I love. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm really, really hoping for a fact. I'm like, hire, like, right when I get back from work, I'm hiring like 15 researchers 
um, just so we can get the get the data out as soon as possible. Because I mean, our lives are writing on this data, right? Like, and and you know, it's 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 kind of like you know, it's exposed to the say, but like you know, if we can shut down one piece of legislation because of the data that comes out of the survey then that's a win, right? And that's why we got to get it in the hands of as many people as possible. Also, like if you're like a small nonprofit that works with trans people, you can actually like use it as evidence for a grant. Or if you're a researcher trying to get a PhD, right, you can use the U.S. Trans Survey for further questions for your own surveys to ask deeper questions about different things, right? Yeah, like It's, it's one a foundation things- upon which you build a bunch of other stuff. No, it, it it continues to have an effect for a long time. Yes, it's it's a huge foundational thing, right? Because people will benchmark off the U.S. Trans Survey for a long, um, right? Like it's the it's the national it's the, like the U.S. Trans Survey in 20, uh, 2015 is the actual survey of record for the National Institute of Health, right? So it's a really big deal to be kind of like the benchmark, so people can ask those questions, right? Like for example. Over fifty over fifty percent of the people who took the U.S. Trans Survey actually identified as non-binary, right? So there's a lot of questions to be asked there, right? And there's a lot of research to be done on the way non-binary identities show up, as well as what is the difference between a non-binary identity and social outcomes versus a trans binary identity. Right. And being able to make those comparisons. Right. Other researchers can use that data to say, okay, this is what the comparative numbers look like. And this is the questions we're going to ask. And then, boom, they get PhDs. Right. So so that's that's kind of the way that, you know, science works. Like you said, it just builds off itself. Um, And that's what we're hoping the U.S. Trans Survey does, because people still cite the U.S. Trans Survey from 2015 to this day. Every day it's cited. Which is crazy Um, because trans people didn't even exist back then. (laughs) <laughs> they hadn't been right. invented yet <laughs> they preempted it yeah exactly exactly yeah 2015 what 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 are trans- <laughs> i uh i'm looking forward to the it's very wild least, to the um yeah y- you said the data on like people who report positive outcomes following their transition might come out earlier than the other stuff i look forward to that because you know it seems like every week we get some new uh, addition to the, you know, uh, here's a, a, a conservative study showing that actually all trans people were sad after they transitioned. And you look at the study and it's like some guy's blog post. You cut post. out on my end. Uh-oh. You cut out for like five seconds. Sorry, go ahead. No, just that now it's my fault. conservatives are always using, uh, you know, wacko blog posts to support the idea that transitioning makes people sad. So having a gigantic oh. um, data survey or like a database to um to argue actually no 97 point whatever percent like so and so uh is going to be a huge help with such a large sample oh, size yeah. as well and we're also going to know how many young people are actually getting surgery right like you know like we're going to have higher sample 16 to 17 year olds you know and so we're going to be able to look at that 16 and 17 year old data that's why we're doing an individual breakout report to show like not even 5% are are getting any type of surgery, right? Like, you know, like, it's just like, like, what the heck is going on? Um, And I think that's going to be really, really helpful as well. Debunking, like, oh, yeah, this isn't actually happening. Here's a sample size of several, like, close to over, well over 10,000 folks um, that 
we were able to sample across the country and you're able to see how many people actually got the care that they needed, how many people got puberty blockers and all of that type of stuff. When you're, um, when you're off medical leave, uh, what do you get back to? What, what work are you jumping into the data analysis or is that being left to other people? Oh, hold on. Sorry. Oh. Say, am I jumping to what? When you get off medical leave, are you jumping back into data analysis? Are you going to be processing all that? Or, or, what, is, or is that another group of people? Okay. Sorry. I'm so sorry. For some reason, you keep cutting uh -oh. out, and I don't know why. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause my Spotify. Maybe that's what it is. Okay. All right. Say that again. I think you're good. All right. We're going to try. Third time's the charm. When you're okay, off stop. medical First, leave. Now you're good. Okay. Yes, when when off you're of. off medical leave. Are you jumping back into data analysis or what work remains for you when you head back? So I am going to be jumping to supervising the project because I am the director of the survey. So that's not going to change. So I will be supervising the, analy uh, the, the, the analytics that is going to be happening. But I also have principal investigators who do the research and have been with the project from the beginning that actually were involved in writing the report last time. So they're going to be the ones that are going to checking the math and making sure everything looks good on the scientific side. And then from there, I'm going to be working on getting everything packaged up. So I'm going to be working with different political groups across the United States um, from trans-led organizations as well as local community orgs to try to make sure that the data that they want is being listed. I think that's something that a lot of researchers do a lot of times is that they forget to like talk to the communities before they re publish their reports to make sure like, hey, by the way, like did we address the things that you really want to see in the reports. So there's going to be a process where I'm going to be uh, setting up systems to communicate with a lot of different community groups across the country, as well as national groups to make sure that the reports look good. Um, and then from there, I'm like involved in design, website, stuff like that. But I'm also going to be focusing a lot on the uh, National Center for Transgender Equality Action Fund, which is the political arm of the of the center. And I'm going to be directing and working on that. So that's why I'm so like political with like, you know, the DNC, as well as, you know, um, Emerge, which is another political organization um, to basically build the trans election um, candidates and making sure that they're ready to get elected across the country. We already got several, um, but we need a lot more. So basically running, I guess, a PAC, if that makes sense. Um, it's not a PAC. It's, it's a nonprofit action fund, um, but I'm going to be building up the funding and finance for that. So maybe we can do a charity stream and give political donations to the, to the action fund. Um, just plug in that out. Yeah, charity stream for trans people, though. Mm, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'd have to yeah, think about it. Yeah, that might not be your style. Yeah, I got a, I've got a, 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 a hard reputation going as a transphobe. I don't know if I want to break that. I'll give it, I'll give it serious consideration. Maybe if I'm very mean the entire time. Um, yeah, maybe. You get I, to be mean to the chatters to make sure they donate. So as I get often am. Trans candidates. Yeah, it, exactly. I really am happy the survey went well, even though I <clears throat> forgot to uh, uh, mention it to my audience. Um, you know, 100,000 people is the largest data set that has ever been collected of trans people ever, as far as I'm aware, at yeah. least. Um, yeah, times three. Uh, yeah, so by, by a huge margin. So I'm sure that, I'm sure I'll become intimately familiar with every data point on that set as I use it in the years to come to uh, argue with people online. Uh, that'll be lots oh, yes. of fun. Thanks for yes. building the foundation of several years of my uh, of, of my debate rhetoric.
Uh, it's very kind of you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'll be I'll be happy to do it. And when the data comes out, I'll be talk about some of the highlights of the data um, with your audience because I I think like like I said, a lot of this stuff is groundbreaking. Okay, you want you want all right. So this one's special for you and your audience. Okay. So one of the data points that I was keeping track of before I went in the surgery, so I haven't seen the new number yet, but we were already well over 80,000 before I went into surgery. Um, only 4% of the population identified as straight. Goddamn. That, that, uh, that gay but more really is, uh, really is the truth, isn't it? It's really interesting, right? Um, so I don't know what the exact number is going to be. So don't take that to the bank or anything. Um, but yeah, like I thought that was really interesting. And the reason I think that's interesting, and I think the reason I think you you and your audience would enjoy that is because a lot of transphobes talk about, oh, these poor trans people could just be gay people and be and and be and be good with it, right? But in reality, it's like, no, we're not we're not transitioning to be straight. Right. Like most of us are transitioning and staying pretty effing gay. And I think that's pretty interesting. The fact that a lot of transphobes just think that, oh, if you were just a, you're, you, you should have just been a gay, gay man. Why did you why did you become a woman? And it's like, because I like girls like I, I, a lot. <laughs> Definitely yeah. that. So, you know. Yeah. My experience with the transgenders is that there are a lot of homosexuals in the midst. You have to be careful, you know? Um, that's why they say, you know, you got to be careful about your kids. You got to do a whole trans panic because a lot of them are gay too. It's a, it's a double threat. When when the data comes out, I would be happy to have you on to discuss it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, no, we can talk I, over I, the I, data points. I mean, like I said, literally, it's the foundation of the arguments I'll be having for, for years. So I might, I might as well learn what they are. Yeah, might as well. I'll give you, I'll give you, you know, I'll, I'll give you the, the the lesson of what's going on in the United States and like I just love the fact that you're you're going to be able to dig into the data as well of like what individual states are going through right you can do that right now on ustranssurvey.org and look at the reports from 2015 we didn't get all the states last time because we didn't get a large enough sample size this time we did and we're possibly getting enough to do a Puerto Rico one too I'm crossing my fingers for that um so so that will be really good to be able to like actually just do a compare and contrast of what it looks like to be like a trans person in California versus like a trans person in Florida I think we all know what that looks like but having hard data to see it's like you know you're 10 percent more likely to be harassed on the street being in florida versus california is a pretty stark difference right i'm not saying that's what the numbers are because we don't know them yet but i'm just saying those are some of the things that we could see yeah well in we'll, our data we'll cut right in yeah um well absolutely well it was great having no, you here it's been a pleasure having you on i'm sorry about the habitual tech issues i don't normally have big internet dropouts like that but i guess it has to happen exclusively when i talk to other people you know to maximize the inconvenience yeah i know okay so you're the one dropping off okay no no no. i dropped off once everything apart from that had to have been from your end uh but i i, I accept Fine. responsibility for the one and no more <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And if you're ever in the DC area, make sure you hang out. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Are you ever? Are you ever in the DC area? The last time I went to DC, it was to debate Tim Pool. So the next, uh, the next time he oh. wants uh, Charlie Kirk to get rocked over there, <laughs> I'll make it known. 
yeah make it make it known make it known but it was a oh, pleasure speaking no, with you that's right yes. I, I was there for jan 6 that's right i i stormed the capitol building sorry um, hold on hold on say it again nothing nothing never mind no why is it not coming through <laughs> now you are I, I, i'm so I, sorry i said i'm I, so sorry i said i was there for jan 6 no um I was, I was kidding i was kidding um it is it's been a delight to speak to you yeah it's been an absolute delight and i'm always available if you ever want to talk about some trans stuff i you know it's one of those things it's like one of the things that i do and it's what i take a lot of joy in hell i was even at the um what was it the uh respect for marriage act signing recently as well i was sitting on the white house lawn while they saint while they did it like, oh so it was it was cool so yeah i'm always available to chat whenever you need me nice well good to know you also uh respect marriage uh have a wonderful day uh or, or night absolutely and uh, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to it's you again. definitely night and then i'm gonna go and get into dilator i have to do not fun stuff uh have fun. but good yeah have yeah plenty of yeah and yeah, absolutely. And you can always follow me at um, Josie Rose with the letter C. Um, you can follow me on Twitch and I'm going to be streaming a lot more um, because now I don't have to work on trying to get the survey out because I was like really hard to, to get a hold of. <laughs> take some time to there. relax. And yeah, we have a link in chat. Don't worry. You take care. Okay. Awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye. They say bye. Goodbye. See ya.